0: Welcome to this edition of Central Pennsylvania Voices. I'm your host, Joan Ebostinsky, and today I'm joined by Michael Chigichopo. Many of you may know him as the former executive director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, but he's a lot more deep than that, right? He's a lot, there's, a lot, there's a lot to this guy besides being the, exec, the former executive director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. So I've known Michael for a long time, so welcome to Holy Family Radio.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. It's great to be here with you again.
0: Well, tell us, a lot of our listeners, like you said, they know you from, the, from your role there, but you have many other roles besides that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on here. I mean, mm-hmm. I just turned 70 years old in November, and I retired at the end of 2022 as the executive director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I did that job for 21 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, I served as a vice president at Holy Spirit Hospital for 10 and a half years. And before that, I served on active duty in the United States Air Force for 21 years as a hospital administrator. I have a master's degree in hospital administration from Baylor University in Texas. And I'm a 1970 graduate of Trinity High School right here in Camp Hill and a 1966 graduate of Cathedral School in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So Interesting, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm home. I am home here.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of our people, a lot of our listeners have heard you on our air in the past talking about pro-life issues, but I wanted to bring you on Central Pennsylvania Voices to talk a little bit more about your background and know, get to know you a little bit more personally because uh, I know that's a you know, that was a giant part of your your life. Um, but like I said, there's there's so many other facets to you. There so. are.
1: Thank you, Joe.
0: It's, it's, it's good to have you on here. So, so go on. Tell, tell us a little bit more about, about yourself and your background there.
1: Well, my family, I'm the oldest of 15 children of Blanche and, and uh, Mike Chickichop from Our Lady of Good Counsel Parish in Marysville. Um, there were 10 boys and five girls in our family. Wow. And today uh, we have 44 children and we have 47 grandchildren among the 15 of us. Um, so we grew up two blocks away from Our Lady of Good Council Parish in Marysville, and it was the focal point of our lives when we were growing up. Among other things, I was an altar boy from grade three up through grade 12 when I graduated from high school, and we had some great priests in those days uh, who ran our parish. Uh, one of our pastors that I served many masses for, Monsignor Martin Loem Miller, uh, went on to become the auxiliary bishop in Philadelphia. And another one of our pastors who I served many masses for uh, was Monsignor William Keeler, who went on to become the Bishop of Harrisburg mm-hmm. and then the Cardinal Archbishop of Baltimore. And so these, these men were pivotal uh, in my life and in my discernment and, and sticking with the
0: church all these years. Are you one of these people that stuck with the church the whole time? Or, a lot of people say they drifted away. Other people say they, they stuck with the church the whole time.
1: Yeah, I did. I have so did never I. missed Mass uh, mm-hmm. since I can remember except for sickness. That's the only time, yeah, praise be to God, that I've been blessed to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, I'm one of those people that also made it through college and stuck with my faith. Yeah, so, yeah. Even today. even through my military service, absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. I, 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 fan- and so how did you get into – your profession then? I mean, well, that's that a, yeah, that's a good
1: question. Because when I graduated from Trinity, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. The Vietnam War was going on at the time we had a draft, but I was only 17 when I graduated. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to have to wait a full year till I turned 18 to find out what my draft number would be. And I thought, you know what, by then I might be settled. And and so I thought I'm going to enlist in the Air Force right out of high school. So two months after I graduated, I was off to basic training. And then the Air Force sent me to Ramstein, Germany. So I actually spent the rest of the Vietnam War in Germany. Uh, But there I met an Air Force medic. Uh, She was active duty Air Force also. Um, Peggy O'Grady was her name. She was from Long Island, New York. And we met there and we went together for a couple years, actually. We courted for a couple years before we got married. Uh, And that was 49 years ago uh, that we got married. Uh, She got out of the service after her four-year enlistment, and we started having a family. Um, And I stayed in the Air Force, went to college, and then got a commission as an officer in hospital administration. We were stationed in Europe, um, all over the United States. And I actually was deployed to Sicily at one point in the 1980s. Without family for a year, that was wow. a tough assignment to, to go without family. And at that point, we had three kids at home, and Peggy was working on her nursing degree, and she had to stay back and be a good military really? wife and take care of everything. And she did a fantastic job at it. Now, was she Catholic when you met her? Oh, yes, definitely. And Peggy was absolutely – she went to great Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. She was very devout in her faith. In fact, that's how we met. Frankly, we were both very active in the Catholic community at Ramstein Air Base. And she she played the folk guitar. I was a lector. I was teaching (laughs) CCD. And so we saw each other at church all the time in addition to seeing each other in the hospital. So – that's, that's really what brought us together and, and what sold me on her was the fact
0: that we were absolutely in sync when it came to faith. So the church was an integral part of your relationship from absolutely. the very beginning.
1: From the very beginning, it was. We we went through the Life in the Spirit seminar together mm-hmm. early in the 1970s in the charismatic movement and we had great friends in the military uh, who helped mentor us, older friends in the military who mentored us in the faith.
0: Well, I always ask, people if they can tell us something interesting about themselves that a lot of people wouldn't know
1: well a lot of people probably don't know that um, i was a member of the first three-year formation program in the ministry of spiritual direction here in the diocese of harrisburg Uh, Mm -hmm. the diocese started this program and ran it from 2018 to 2020 Uh, there's another program going on now so i'm certified to provide individual spiritual direction and now that I'm retired from full-time employment, I expect to help more people in their spiritual lives, and, and, and this is what I expect to do in my retirement years, and to help more people for the rest of my life to become closer and closer to God.
0: Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about spiritual direction? Because some people who are lifelong Catholics don't even know what you mean when you say that.
1: Yeah, in spiritual direction, uh, there are a lot of people who, who feel like the Lord's calling them to a closer relationship. But they just aren't sure how to do it or what to do. And, and people who are involved in spiritual direction are there to help guide them. Uh, the word direction sounds like, oh, I tell you what, tell to, you what do. to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's not
0: quite that way. It's, it's not like a guidance. Kind it's
1: of thing, a guidance yeah. kind of thing. And, a, and someone who's doing spiritual direction takes each individual exactly where they are in their life and works with them. So you can start at any point in somebody's spiritual life.
0: Yeah, it's a it's an important ministry and I don't think it gets enough airtime. I mean, a lot of people don't know about, you know, right. you read the lives of the saints and many times they talk about spiritual direction, but I think in our contemporary society we're not really talking about that enough. So I'm glad that our diocese is stepping up to the plate and doing that in, that uh certification now.
1: Right. And the reason they started doing it, frankly, was because many people were asking for spiritual directors and there weren't enough Mm. qualified spiritual directors here and and so it doesn't necessarily have to be a priest or religious that does spiritual mm-hmm. direction lay people like us can be trained and and tr- trust me in three years we read <laughs> a lot of stuff
0: <laughs> well i always like to ask also uh what motivates people i know that uh you're a super motivated person and uh i know you know We've been friends for a long time, yeah. and I don't think I know anybody who is more motivated than you are. So,
1: <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Joe, I start every day first thing when I wake up with the come Holy Spirit prayer. I just want to pray to the Holy Spirit that he would help me to discern what he's calling me to do that day. There's nothing I can do about what happened yesterday or in the past. And you know what? I might not be here tomorrow. Who knows? We never know whether we have tomorrow or the next year or whatever. So the key point for me every day is, what are you calling me to do today? Help me to discern it and help me to do it. And that's what I focus on every day. And then when I do my daily examine at the end of the day and I look back, what I examine myself for is, did I do what I was called to do today? And if I did that, then
0: I can sleep well. Mm-hmm. And then you would say that maybe you've been successful, right? Well, in that day, I was successful right? <laughs> to
1: do what I was called to do that day, yes
0: how do you find how do you find success or define it?
1: Well, success is really a, a function of whether or not you meet what you're called to do to me, that's the real metric on success. Uh, Mother Teresa, you know, told us, I think most people are familiar with it, but for those who didn't hear, Mother Teresa said, you know, God doesn't call us to be successful. Mm-hmm. He calls us to be faithful.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: if we're faithful to what he calls us to do, then I would call that success.
0: Yeah, I think you're, I think you're 100% correct there. And a lot of times, I think that's part of a problem with our society right now. We People don't have a really good definition of what success is. And would you agree?
1: Right, right. And, and, and discernment is a big thing. We learned a lot about that in spiritual direction mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, you've got the world, the flesh, the devil, and ourselves who are trying to convince us to do things mm-hmm. uh, and who are, you know, putting a lot of static up in front of what God's calling us to do. So it's important that we pray to the Holy Spirit
0: for discernment. Well, all of us have faced different hurdles in our lives. What kind of hurdles have you faced and how did you overcome them? Well, over the years, I was blessed to be
1: called to a, a number of leadership positions in parishes that I was in, leading committees, parish councils, other ministries. At the diocesan level, uh, I served on the Board of Education of the Diocese of Harrisburg for 25 years, and the last 15 years that I was with the Board of Education, I was the president of the board. I was also the lay director of the Harrisburg-Curcio movement for several years, and then I went on uh, to be on the National Secretariat for Cursillo. And uh, in those years, uh, any organization, even church organizations, are comprised of human beings.
0: We're well, not
1: perfect. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and one of the things that uh, Bishop Gainer told me one time is that when you take on a leadership position, you put a target on your back. And you do put a target on your back. And so over the years, uh, there were many times when I, I couldn't please everybody, uh, you know, in, in that leadership. That's it really is, frustrating. It, it is a yeah. frustrating thing. But the thing is, I need to know what's the mission of what I'm leading, mm. and and we're carrying out that mission. And if I do that the best I can, then we let the chips where they fall. And 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 I'm sorry that not everybody was
0: always happy with everything. Mm-hmm. We have about a minute left, and you mentioned the Crusoe movement. Give us the, the 60 second explanation because a lot of people know what the Crucial Movement yeah, is. Do Christ- what I do know, but can, the, give us a 60 seconds. The Crucial
1: Movement is a great movement for lay people. Uh, it's, it's very alive and well in our diocese, and it helps lay people learn how to live their life. And it, it's really based on prayer, it's based on study, and it's based on action. But it helps you understand how you can integrate those into your spiritual life.
0: And it is a life changing experience to do because I know that's how I met you through the Crucio movement. Absolutely, so, uh, absolutely. It it is something that I can't say enough about. So, but speaking of saying enough about, we have to take a quick break. We're going to be back uh, with uh, Michael Chigachupo. We're going to be back here on Holy Family Radio. Thank you for listening, Central Pennsylvania News. We'll be back after these messages. Second segment here on Central Pennsylvania Voices. I'm Joan Ebostinsky and I'm joined again by Michael Chicachopo. Uh, Michael, we were right in the middle of a conversation. Uh, I wanted to ask you next if uh, you faced any major decisions in, in your life and how you were able to make these decisions and how they turned out. And Can you share a little bit about that? Sure, I can. Uh, I mentioned that I had
1: been a hospital administrator for 31 years between my time in the Air Force and at Holy Spirit Hospital. and in the 1990s, whenever I was at Holy Spirit Hospital, I was really at the peak of my profession. I mean, not only at Holy Spirit Hospital being an executive there, but also I was a member of the American College of Healthcare Executives for my entire career. I had risen to be a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives, and I served on the International uh, Board of Regents for the, for hospital administration in the United States and Canada. Uh, I loved hospital administration, and I loved working at Holy Spirit Hospital because the mission statement of Holy Spirit Hospital then was to carry out the healing ministry of Jesus Christ to all in need. And I was working for the Sisters of Christian Charity who taught me in grade school. (laughs) I love the Sisters of Christian Charity in so many ways. And so I I, was like, it was my dream come true. It was really my dream come true. And I expected that I would be there until they carried me out of there in a box mm-hmm. because I never wanted to leave. And one day, one morning, uh, in late 2001 in the chapel at Holy Spirit Hospital during the mass, um, the Lord spoke to me in a mystical and a compelling way. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a long story, but to make it short, uh, the gospel was where Jesus was telling the disciples while people were bringing their tithes up that, um, do you see those people bringing their tithes up? He's like, they're they're not really giving anything because they're giving from their excess. But this widow, she gave everything she had, just these two copper coins. And at that moment, all of a sudden, I was not in the chapel anymore. I was like, everything faded around me. And I heard the Lord say to me, What are you willing to give? And when he said that, I was a little surprised. And I said back to him, this was all in my mind. But I said, I said, Lord, I'm here. I'm in your hospital. I'm doing your work. And I said, and besides that, it's not a picnic. You know, there's a lot of pressure in this work. And he said, no, but what are you willing to give? And at that moment, he put in my mind's eye a bulletin announcement in the Good Shepherd Bulletin that said the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation was looking for an executive director. I wasn't mm-hmm. looking for a job. I thought I, – I was a donor of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I loved the voters' guides they sent me mm-hmm. and all the information they were doing. But working there was never on my mind. And And he continued to call me to do this. Yeah. To make a long story short, I I balked at it. I, I, w- I felt like Moses. I was like, wait, Lord, you have mm-hmm. the wrong guy. I'm a hospital administrator. What do I know about you know running a pro-life organization? And he kept pressing me and pressing me. Uh, to the point where I sent my resume in, I did four different interviews in four different towns over the next 11 days, and and in the end, they made me an offer with a tremendous pay cut in compensation, <laughs> and I talked to Peggy, and Peggy said, well, I'm not going to argue with God, and so I took the position uh, on sheer faith, not having any idea what that would mean, and certainly not knowing that I was signing up for a 21-year commitment yeah. to be the executive director of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. But obviously, it was the Lord's will, and and we did accomplish a lot during that time.
0: Yeah. Talk a little bit about what you did in those 21 years. I mean, yeah. think about what were the, 20, the progress that we made in those 21 years. Lots of progress and lots of setbacks along the way, anybody
1: that followed it over the last 21 years. Uh, but the thing was, I remember when I first got to the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation, I was told, we are working to prepare Pennsylvania for the overturn of Roe versus Wade, and and many people will remember there were people who never ever thought it would happen. Yeah,
0: me, uh, me. I absolutely,
1: yeah. I absolutely believed it would happen. I was hoping it would happen during my lifetime, and and the fact that it happened about six months before my retirement, I had already announced my retirement, so mm-hmm. I was going at the end of twenty twenty two, regardless. And and on June 24th of 2022, I was with the National Right to Life Committee and uh, 500 people who I loved in the pro-life movement from all over the nation when they announced that Roe versus Wade was overturned. It was like an, an unreal experience. And so I, I really think that the Lord knew exactly what he was doing with me.
0: Yeah, I remember that was a day that's one of those pivotal days in our lifetimes. We all remember where we were when we found out. Right? Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> I walked out of a conference room and in the hallway, a reporter was standing there with a camera and said, could I talk to you about what happened live on the air right now? And I said, <laughs> OK. <laughs> and the first question was, did you ever think Roe versus Wade would be over- overturned? And I said, yes, I did. I just didn't know when. Amazing. What an
0: amazing
1: and the story. Pennsylvania Pro Life Federation is such an outstanding organization and and a shout out to everybody there Maria Gallagher who you all know mm-hmm. so well our legislative director uh Remel Tenney is the new education yes. director she's doing a fantastic job and of course my successor Chris Poucha mm-hmm. Esquire is absolutely the best possible person that could have taken that job and and they're fantastic doing a lot gentleman. of good stuff yeah. And, and it's, a, it's a lot different now that Rose overturned. Mm-hmm. Everything is different and it's even more challenging. So as everybody knows, they're in a really, really good position now to, to make some
0: progress. One of the things – I'm going to go back to your personal stuff. You mentioned all the things you were doing professionally. Uh, you're one of the most – busy. as you list the things that you were doing – how did you balance that with your family life? Because that's a hard thing for a lot of people to do.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and one of the things, obviously, is Peggy, my wife, was a nurse also. She was a nurse at Holy Spirit Hospital for, I think, about 25 years, um, part-time, though. And she really held down the fort quite a bit Mm -hmm. um, during that time and during my time in the Air Force. If it wasn't for everything that she did behind the scenes, God bless you, honey, I love you so much, Um, I could have never done all the things that I did. So Mm -hmm. that was one of the key things. I tried to be there present with my kids as much as possible and and to guide them and to mentor them and all those sorts of things. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a it was a tough thing to do. The other thing that I found out was, I I learned in my, early in my career in the military that you had to be physically fit. I mean, if you there was a time when I was in graduate school when I was doing nothing but studying and working and nothing else, and I was doing nothing, um, and 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 the stress was getting to me, and somebody said you need to exercise, you need to take care of your body too, and once I started doing that. I really – that balance between my work life, my family life and my spiritual life and my physical fitness has really contributed to the energy level that I have. I'm 70 years old. I can't believe I'm
0: 70 years old. I feel like I'm 40 to be honest <laughs> with you. So there
1: we go. Joe saying the same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, we touched a little bit uh, in the first segment about your – the fact that you're a cradle Catholic. Uh, tell us a little bit about your faith journey, You know how you ended up being such a faithful adult now.
1: Yeah, well – First of all, you know, the shout-out goes to my my parents, may they rest in peace. Uh, Mike and Blanche Chickie-Chap were the most outstanding Catholic parents uh, we could have ever had. They modeled this for us. They modeled Christianity. They modeled love and taking care of other people and serving the church and all that. That was something that they modeled for us as we were growing up. Um, as I mentioned the, the thought of of missing mass I, I want to go to mass you know sometimes people mm-hmm. say you have to go every Sunday what what do you mean you have to go I want to go I go every day I go to mass mm-hmm. every day uh, ever since I went to the Federation I've been able to go to mass every day mm-hmm. and and um, that really is what keep keeps me grounded and I have to do spiritual reading every day uh, the Bible I have to read some Bible I'm always reading spiritual books um, to help me Stay motivated in my faith and to get closer and closer to the Lord. And I am much closer to the Lord today than I was yesterday or the day before or ten years ago. And I and and in the spiritual life, this is a work in progress. You will do this until you die. Until you die, we're all and on you a pilgrimage. Meet the Lord, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's always room to get closer
0: and closer to the Lord. Tell us who your favorite saint is. Do you have a favorite saint or my favorite
1: saint? yes, yeah, Saint Michael the Archangel. Uh, has always been my favorite with the name Michael. And, and um, just as he was called to to be in leadership, I feel like I was called to be in leadership on many occasions. And, and I really look to him. Um, I have other saints, of course. The Blessed Mother is, is um, mm-hmm. somebody I'm very close to. Uh, little known fact, whenever I was a young boy, I wanted to be a priest. And a buddy of mine and I, who were altar boys together, we used to play mass. Hmm. And and I had an altar set up on my dresser in my bedroom, and I had a sign on my door, and it said, St. Mary's Church. <laughs> I dedicated my church to to the Blessed Mother. St. Joseph, of hmm. course, is a, a tremendous, tremendous role model. Sister Faustina and the Divine Mercy mean a lot to me. On, I've done a lot of speaking on Divine Mercy. I went to the first International Conference – I mean, uh, Mercy Conference hmm. – in, in the Vatican back in 2008, then um, St. Teresa of Calcutta, of course, we lived through her lifetime, and Pope St. John Paul II is just the best.
0: That's a good crew, right? Yeah, good good it really sense, is. Right? And,
1: and speaking <laughs> about popes, I have to tell you, in 2007, all of a sudden I got a letter from Bishop Rhodes telling me that Pope Benedict XVI had awarded me the Bene Marente Medal. I didn't even wow. know there was such a thing. Bene Marente is Latin for good merit. Wow. It's a medal that the Pope is gives out to people for long and faithful service to the church. And, wow. and and my first reaction when I told Peggy was I said my first reaction was, The Pope knows my name. <laughs> yeah, I, well. I, I actually have a medal and a parchment from Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. So wow. and, and I don't say that with any sense of pride. Mm-hmm. I mean it's a complete humility. And the thing is, when you get something like that, it's not like you feel like, okay, I can rest on my laurels now. No, you have to do better. I mean, you have yeah. to live up to that now. So it's an amazing, amazing thing. Okay. Do you have a favorite uh, scripture verse? Yes. My scripture verse, I would say, would, comes from, from my maternal grandmother, um, Mildred Martin, who was a Protestant. And her favorite scripture, which I've always loved, is the 23rd Psalm. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, and I mm-hmm. shall not want. I mean, that that
0: psalm will give you consolation in anything, and that's my go-to. Fantastic. Listen, we, we were going to run out of time, so I want to ask you a, a takeaway you'd like to leave with our listeners.
1: Well, I would just say you have to make time to pray. You have to make time to pray to the Lord, but not just say words to him, but see, sit quietly with the Lord and listen to him every day, and then do what he calls you to do.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for being with us here today on Holy Family Radio and Central Pennsylvania Voices. I want you to pronounce your last name for us correctly because I'm going to I'm going to mess it up again. So would you tell us in, the, it, the in best Italian? Way to
1: say it. In Italian, okay. it's Chicochopo. In the okay. old dialect, it's Chicky Chop. So both pronunciations so both are four. correct. Okay. Yep.
0: So I've been saying Chicky Chopo, and I've been kind of close, right? That's good. No, you're good. You <laughs> with, got the, it. with the name Mike I'm careful about people. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Central Pennsylvania Voices, and thank you for being with me today, Michael Chicky Chopo. Thank you, John. Listen again Chicky next time on Holy Family Thank you